Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. How does perspective impact the way we process suffering? Well, that's a kind of a good question that it, it is a little about perspective and suffering. But um, before we're going to get too far into our perspective on suffering and the impact that it has, we just want to remind you that listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we have more about our um, information about our show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriended.com. Well, going back to, uh, let's get into some good stuff, Lise. You just went boring right then. so I went so boring. I know. I know. You know what it is? I'm trying to do my headset. I, I shouldn't, like, reveal that, right? Yeah. But I was, like, multi, I was multitasking. It wasn't, and I got, I got busted. So there we yeah, go. You did. It, well, we all know that life just happens, and sometimes when we least want it to happen, there's some bad things that, that might come around and unfold and sometimes it's the unexpected and you try with all your might, uh, but you, you're not always in control of just the craziness that can happen. And I remember one time, Lise, this was like 18 years ago. You said to me, cause you would, would always mo- mock me with my rose colored glasses that it's not when bad things, it's not, if they'll happen, it's when they will happen. And I was like, well, that's like Miss Negative Nelly. <laughs> but it's so true. Well, you, you did live in your land far, far away, which you still do sometimes. Because I do love that land. I seek that land, but it's not always reality. And and so what what does happen? And you and I laugh because after you said that, I, I would, you know, it's like, it's so true. We, you have to know your coping mechanisms. You have to be ready. You have to be faith-filled, you know, truly be filled up with Jesus. So when those things do happen, you're not spiraling out of control. You're able to move forward. And yet you hear all the time, when I had this tragedy or when this happened in my life, it just really grew my faith and it it drew me in closer to Christ. And yet it's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. I'd rather not have the suffering. (laughs) I'd rather just my shallow life. And, and so we we have a tendency to um, basically pray for effortlessly living and being able, you know, continuously safe travels. I want to be safe rather than going deep into the adventure and really kind of exposing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because we started kind of this conversation like earlier in the week without realizing we were having this conversation because... Um, on Sunday, the message was about Job. 
And just talking about suffering and, you know, all that happened to Job. And you read that story and it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know that I could be like Job. And um, would I be the friends? Would I be the wife? Would I be Job? You know, all the different parts where I'd be a little bit of all three um, in there. And you just read that story and you just feel and you see, but you see the other, you know, how the story ends that, you know, from Job's perspective, he doesn't know how the story ends. And that's so many times where we are. We're stuck in the middle of this and we're like we're not sure if this is going to have a um you know a happy ending and they'll live happily ever after we're not really we're not those aren't guaranteed and so we we live life like that way and um we were just talking about how there's a there's been a raging fire in, in northern arizona and um our family has has a place up there and and we come home from from church on sunday and we get word that um the fire is spread it's going crazy it's it's on the property um, you know, people around us and people are fighting and, and they're, you know, people are leaving their homes. It, it has to evacuate. And so you're just start, start wrestling going, what does this really mean? Because this is reality. This is real. And I just learned about Job. And um, at the same time, you're just kind of watching and listening to life all around you. And so many different people right now are in, in various stages of crisis and um, crisis management and so you just start looking at, you look around, which you do, and you, and you look up, but in the midst of all that, you're, you have to, you have to find perspective to put it in, to, uh, to like, almost to cope and to go, well, I'm not losing this. It's only property. It's only a place in the big scheme of things that, you know, we still have our health. We still have um, you, you, you know, so you, you just start having to look at it, reframe almost what you're going through. Hmm. Well, when you talk about reframing, what made me laugh is you, you're saying, I need to go get up to the cabin because we have to clean out the refrigerator or things will spoil. And that becomes what your narrative in your head that you're stressing out. You know, it's not, not like you're stressing out, but it's like, it's another to do thing on your task list. And all of a sudden, it's it's not about cleaning out the refrigerator. It's about trying to make sure that your your cabin doesn't burn to the ground. I mean, that's perspective, yeah. the ultimate perspective yeah. of how things things change. Uh, I do think it's interesting too when when you think of Job, and so many times as women, they say you know be, behind every good man is this you know amazing woman that. Job loses everything. Have you ever heard that the joke that he loses everything but his wife? Because that keeping his wife was going to bring even more suffering. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting perspective. Yes, yes. <laughs> that that's that Satan was like, oh no, well you get to keep your wife. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, puts it all in perspective. Yeah, yeah, it really does, doesn't it? No, but, you know, it does, because it's like, you know, we, we lost houses um, up there. It's been without power for a week, and you just start thinking about all the, you know, the consequences of that. And But it just start you're like, who cares about food? And then, because we got this. And then, who cares about certain things in the big scheme because you got this? And you start having to go, but what do I have? And I still have a lot of amazing blessings in life. And I think it starts changing your focus from, um you start, you start really kind of taking inventory of what really is important and what really matters. And then start looking at life and going, okay, um, even if, you know, certain prayers aren't answered, even if this happens, the worst case scenario, um, 
you know, what is, what do I still believe? You know, do I still believe that God is good and that God is with me? And, and it's in those moments of crisis that where you're, you have to really go, what do I really believe? What is my anchor? And, and it's, in, you know, as hard as it is, like you said, we always pray, going, okay, teach me God, but do it very gently and don't do it in a harmful way. And we want to go to the easy school and um, it doesn't always work that way. And you just watch, you're in the trenches with so many other people too. And you're just, you know, you're just doing life with people and sharing in, in the good times and in the, in the really hard times. And um, yeah, you just have with your own family. I know you've been going through some stuff too with family and, um, and you find yourself fighting for people around you so much. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, please, we're going to take a quick break. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in the U.S. But the good news is there are things that you can do today to help prevent heart disease. The experts agree that the most important thing that you can do to avoid cardiovascular disease is to have regular exercise. Exercise keeps your heart rate low by conditioning your heart muscle keeping it fit and pumping efficiently. Regular exercise burns calories, keeps your weight down, and revs up your metabolism. It increases your HDL and keeps your blood pressure low. So don't wait for heart disease to come find you. Take steps now to stave it off and to live a long, vibrant, and healthy life. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We've been talking about life 
and the curveballs that life has a tendency to throw us? And how do we spend more time with the solution rather than the issue or the problem? And so with that, we have an amazing guest today, Katie Bennett. She's the author of Heavenly Minded Mom and the creator of the Top Mommy Bloggers award-winning blog and podcast, Embracing a Simple Life. And we all want to know a little bit more uh, on how to do that and how to lead that simple life. And Katie does this through her blog. She encourages women to stop loving the world and instead follow Jesus with everything they've got. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Katie, you better be excited because we are talking about <laughs> suffering and just crazy things of how we mm. get perspective in life after uh, things are thrown your way. I know I just went through uh, my daughter being in the ER and having to go into an emergency surgery. Lisa was on pins and needles as she's watching this huge fire that's taking place in Arizona. And Lisa, what didn't it burn like 10,000 acres and you're, you're, House is yeah, it's, it's over. It's, it's over that, and it's taken out forty-one homes already. So it's kind of a big deal here. And, yeah. And, wow. And through all this, we need to just embrace Jesus, embrace the simple life, and we. It really puts things in perspective. So with that, <laughs> tell us your story on on how you God just worked in you to um, write this book, Heavenly Minded Mom. Well, I grew up as a Christian, and I was really trying to pursue and follow God throughout my young life, through college, entered into a marriage with my husband, who is amazing, so wonderful, and we started our our life together. So I was seeking these goals that I had always looked forward to, being married, having a job and a home, having babies. And God fulfilled all of my desires. I got everything I wanted. I had a beautiful little two-year-old girl, and then a little baby boy was born to me. This has been about four years ago now. He's coming up on his fifth birthday. But at that point in my life, I had attained everything that I had ever wanted, and it was more wonderful than I could have possibly imagined. Mm. However... Life is fragile, and I began to be in fear and struggle with fear because I recognized that I had everything I had ever wanted. I was as happy as I could possibly be, in my opinion, and there was no guarantee that any of it would last another minute. I saw stories around me of tragedy and loss, and I I was so consumed with this fear that I couldn't sleep at night. I was just crying out to God, begging him to protect my perfect little life and just sustain it. Um, but that hope is really a false hope because one thing that we know is that we will die. This world is decaying and it is a prisoner to decay. It's not meant to last forever and it can't hold up under the weight of human hope because it's not meant to. So at that point in my life, I started honestly longing for hope and entering into some fears and uncertainties that I had always stuffed to the bottom, Um, just my lack of understanding of eternity. And really, we can't wrap our brains around that, but I decided to try. And it wasn't really a good idea because there was just this collapse 
depth of understanding and really a lot of doubt that was creeping in. So I was in a place for several months of panic and grappling with death and, and really questioning, is this too good to be true? Is everything I believe about Jesus too good to be true? Um, and, and really crying out for God and sensing silence, to be completely honest. But what mm-hmm. I was later able to see was that God was completely undoing me. He was stripping away the meaning of everything that, honestly, I had been idolizing, not even meaning to or realizing it, like my husband, my children, an easy life, a good life, uh, my motherhood, all the things I was finding value in where I really shouldn't have because all that stuff is not meant to last. It's not meant to be our heart's desire. So through these months, he completely stripped all that away, broke it down, and then he started in his, in his perfect timing, restoring new faith into my life that was rooted in heaven, that was rooted in the promises of God and everything that, that Jesus was telling us when he came about the dichotomy of life now versus life later and how if the man who loves his life in this world will lose it while the man who loses his life will keep it for eternity. He's calling us, if we want to be his disciple, to lay down our lives and follow him. So it was this massive turning point in my life that um, I like to describe it as um, there's a scripture in the Bible where God describes himself as a potter. And sometimes the potter completely crushes the pot that, the, that he's working on and shapes it into something completely new. And that's really what I feel God did in my life during that season. It wasn't like I started seeing a little bit more from an eternal perspective. It was like he gave me completely new eyes, and it changed everything. So moving out of that season, I spent the next several years just figuring out and seeing in Scripture everything that that God is saying about reality. And it's all rooted on these greater promises, these eternal truths, and also figuring out how that applies to the simple stuff of my day and, and the big things like suffering. So that was really the foundation of everything. And then um, it's kind of a crazy story how I even came to write the book, but in a nutshell, it was just taking steps of obedience that God led the way. And I knew that he was asking me to do it. So I did. Mm-hmm. Had you always been a writer? Has that always been a way that you express kind of your, um, what's going on? Um, I didn't realize it, but I think I had been. I always journaled in my, my times with the Lord, and that was a really critical way that I grew in my faith and connected with God as I was reading Scripture. And then when I was in high school, I really enjoyed writing personal narratives, you know, the one or two times when that was assigned. And then in college, I wrote papers very easily, but I never saw myself as a writer um, until one day I after that whole season I had talked about, and I kind of had a message to share at that point in my life, I started understanding the value of living more simply because this world is passing away. So why would we build an earthly kingdom when we have the opportunity to invest in, in the kingdom of God, to make sacrifices in this life and, and gain something that will last forever? So I just realized 
you know, life is too short and God is too good to live distracted by all the things that we allow to kind of put their chains around us and slow us down in this world. So I one day just had this epiphany to start a blog. The name Embracing a Simpler Life just came to me, and it was very God-led. So I started writing at that point, and I never looked back. It was so fun for me, and it just felt like God was helping me. So that's kind of when that all started. Wow. That is a great, great story, Katie, for sure. You know, it, it's interesting when you say, you know, our time here is so so short. And I think it's crazy what they've come up with in just science and soul blending together and everything now with MRIs and doing CAT scans, the part of our brain that we tap into that you said you were just all consumed with fear and that it is human nature to let that be our default that we prefer the negative perspective rather than moving forward in the positive. And we just have a, a couple minutes before we go into a commercial break. But as you were writing this, did you realize how, how many times that you did let that go into your, just the, the negative emotions and that acid wash <laughs> of the narrative that we play in our head? How we just give birth to those negative reactions because of our negative emotions. Yeah, I think that I didn't know what was going on inside of me. I was trying to say, I think I'm depressed. And then my friends would ask me, well, are you sad? No, I'm not sad. You know, I just didn't know how to put words around it. But it was really, um, I was talking about it with my sister. And she said, I think you're having panic attacks. And as soon as she gave me that knowledge, that's when I stopped. I never had another one after that because it was easy for me to say, well, panic attacks are not productive. Whereas before that, I felt like there was a fear that I had to enter into and face. Um, and really, that I think that gave me, kind of empowered me to be able to choose faith and to say, this is not helping. I don't need to enter into this and have a panic attack. Well, they say that we have emotional illiteracy. Like, we're truly not taught that in school. Um, and the fact that, I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit was was working um, on you, and then even through your sister to breathe that wisdom, that that's, that's half of the, the problem is being able to know and label it. Like you said, mm-hmm. but then you move from the, that feeling mode to actually thinking mode. And once we can think about it, then we can be aware of it and start doing something. But I think that's significant for people to realize because we are living in a world where such a negative perspective and our emotions run away instead of going, I feel angry or I feel sad or I feel jealous. It's like, I'm so jealous. And then your mind starts going in that spiral and you get these runaway um, emotions. And according to, you know, with the psychologist, you have the two parts of your brain, the limbic and the cognitive. And once the limbic has that, whatever, amygdala hijacking, then you, it's hard to go back and let your cognitive part of your mind take over. And I, I find that just fascinating. And only one of them can drive at the same time. 
So you only have one captain mm-hmm. of your ship. <laughs> so, so choose to, to go, okay, I want the cognitive part. I want to be able to think rather than have my emotions run. And I, I think that can be really difficult. What are some other tools that, oh, sorry, we're next to the break. I'll be right back after This is Girlfriended on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Being consistent with your exercise is the pathway to success and healthy living. Jawbone collected data from their fitness trackers and found that the most consistent exercisers work out at 6 o'clock a.m. When you exercise first thing in the morning, you set the stage for the whole day. Exercise gets your endorphins and creative juices flowing and fuels your energy for the day. They also reported that the least consistent exercisers slotted their workout times after 6 o'clock p.m. Shape Magazine says that the read-between-the-lines lesson is that situations out of our control can surface during the day that can disrupt or cancel your workouts. So set your alarm early and get your workout done first thing to read the benefits for the rest of the day. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Oh, wow. We've been talking about bad things happening, and you have the ability to stop giving it power and energy. And for some reason, we got off on cognitive and limbic part of our brain and amygdala hijacking. (laughs) But we are talking with Katie Bennett, and she is the author of Heavenly Minded Mom and the creator of the Top Mommy Bloggers award-winning blog and podcast, Embracing a Simple Life. So, Katie, we were, um, as we kind of got sidetracked there, I just want to talk a little bit about... You were through your babies being born, um, and and getting into some of that the pain that that our listeners are going through right now. And we do want to talk about you know the hope and how you were able, just like you said, you're begging God just to sustain you. But tell us a little bit more of what took place. What was like the turning point and just dealing with some of this pain that you went through. 
Yeah, well, I feel like there are so many different difficult parts uh, in motherhood. So one thing that I shared that I went through was just a time of fear of realizing that my children, something could happen to them. My husband, my beautiful, dreamy life that I had was not going to last forever. It simply wouldn't. So through that, I think my biggest turning point was God slowly breathing faith and certainty and joy back into my life. There wasn't exactly a big moment, but one Sunday when I went to church, my pastor preached so specifically on hope, and he talked about in exact words what I had been struggling with for the past few months, and I just remember sobbing, like, ugly crying. Thankfully, it's kind of dark in our church, and I was sitting in the back by myself that day. But I knew on that that day I had something so tangible and concrete to say, God, you hear me, you see me. And I knew, I knew that that message was for me. I've never in my life heard another sermon like that, so mm-hmm. specific. But um, that was a turning point. But, you know, there's so many things that have pushed me so far beyond myself in motherhood. And one of them, probably more than any other, is sleep deprivation. <laughs> and probably mm. anybody who's had babies knows about that. But when there's a ear infection or you've got something going on with your kids where they're getting you up night after night so many times and you have other little ones you can't rest during the day, it's like psychologically torturous. I mean, it it Mm -hmm. really drives you to a place of complete dependency on God, complete weakness where he can be strong for us in those times. And I don't think I would have ever been able to experience that without going through that, that suffering. And that's probably the greatest suffering that I I've experienced as a mother besides fear and, you know, watching my children be in pain. But yeah, it's, I think so good just to know, to be able to find God's grace and to understand that it is sufficient, just like he said it would be. Mm. You know, you started your blog as a result of kind of this journey of trying to just understand and gain perspective and, and you titled it Embracing a Simple Life. How did, how did that evolve with that title? And, and, and then you said it was so easy once they started writing. So like, how did that just like, what was about it that so resonated with you and obviously with so many others that are following you? I am not a good housekeeper. I, I thought that when I became a stay at home mom, that, Suddenly, my home would be clean. I'd be doing crafty stuff. You know, I just had this vision that it was all going to be so easy and natural, but it wasn't. It was really, really hard for me to learn the discipline that I needed to actually run a home and manage all these chores while caring for little children and now homeschooling them on top of that and writing. Um, So, Uh, Around that time, I had run across a blog post about a mom who radically, like, took a whole bunch of her kids' toys away, and I tried that. I didn't take all their toys away, but they were toddlers, so they didn't really even care, to be completely honest. But I put a bunch of their stuff in boxes and put it in the basement, and I just experienced this amazing freedom in my life because now I wasn't constantly stressed out by toys everywhere. 
And it was easier for my children to take care of their own stuff. And if I was going to pick up after them, it was quick. So Mm -hmm. it just amazed me in light of this perspective journey that I was on to say, wow, if you have less, it opens up other avenues in your life. So now if a neighbor pops over, I'm not so frazzled because my house isn't nearly as messy because I have one-tenth of the toys strewn about that I used to. You know, so Mm -hmm. that was kind of where the simple concept was tying in for me at that point in my life. And as I moved forward, I was just really excited about simplifying, having less so that I didn't have to feel like such a failure as a homemaker. And also I didn't have to spend as much time managing stuff. Instead, I could be doing things that mattered more to me, such as having moms over for playdates to pour into their lives or getting out in the community or serving, you know, at my church or showing hospitality. It was opening up my capacity for things that actually matter more. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. so just that's a great tip for our listeners. It, it, It took me a while to to figure that one out as well, Katie, that you take the toys. I mean, literally just go through with a box or a trash bag <laughs> and let them have like one container a day or a week. And then you put it back. And and the thing is, it's just like us. If you see it every day, they don't even want to play with that. But if you put it away for a while, it's like bringing out a new toy and it, it, it helps so much. And Lisa, you and I laugh about that even with our closet. To, to mm-hmm. go through, it is so freeing. You have a tendency to just stare at your closet and it's packed, you know, and it just to, it, there's resources in there that other people could be wearing and you think, oh, this is too tight on me, but maybe I will lose this weight <laughs> and I'll be able to wear it next week. It's like, no, give it to somebody else. Let them be wearing it. And it, it that just simplifying your life is so freeing and it doesn't, you're not taking so much time trying to try yeah. out every week <laughs> to see if it fits you yet. It's like, get over it, give it away. So that, that's yeah. a great tip. Yeah. There's something called decision-making fatigue. So when you look at a closet packed full of clothes, every day you have to sort out, okay, these don't fit me right now. These are not seasonal right now. This, you know, isn't really that comfortable for me. So you're making this mental set of hurdles for yourself, whereas if you just removed it all, and like you said, bless someone else with those things and allow those things to be utilized, you know, to their full potential and not just hanging in a, in a closet being unused. It really it frees up your, your mental energy more than you might think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's amazing because we we think all these gadgets, it's, it's, you know, you, you buy things now and it has all these capabilities on them. And so you think, I've got to have those. And yet they become more of a burden because it's like, you, well, it, for me, it's like I'm not like technically challenged with some of these gadgets. And, and then I feel less than because I can't, I don't use them. I don't figure it out. And then it's just more things to go wrong. Um, I know I'm sounding like my mother kind of here, but, um, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's, but it, it is so true. And then it meant, it's like, I just want things simple now. I don't have to have all these, it, it just complicates things. And like you said, and then in our mind mentally, it just, it kind of, yeah, it, it muddles it where it's, 
you don't even realize you can't, it's hard to think clearly because you've got all this other stuff going on. So I think there's something that so resonates with we all want the simple life, but we're not all willing to purge things to get to the simple life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and think differently, you know? And so I think that's the challenge is, um, and, and when somebody comes along talking about like what you're doing and giving like tips and, and showing it and modeling it and you're like, well, maybe I could do that too. You know, that seems pretty, I like that. <laughs> I like living a little yeah. freer, a little lighter, you know? Um, yeah. So what have you, as you started this like blog and everything, um, and, and I'm sure you had to start practicing what you're, you know, what you're talking about. Um, how has this journey of simplifying just helped you? What, is, what are some of the things that have emerged for you personally as a result of this? Well, I think it's affected our lifestyle very much. And my husband is completely on board as well. So we have been able to become completely debt-free. We've mm. paid off our house. We um, also downsized some things. We have one vehicle instead of two. We have a, a smaller house than we did before. And we're pressing into what really matters, which to us right now, we feel is investing in the lives of our children, investing in our church, our marriage, um, and our community. And I think it's had a very, very complete impact on my life. It's, you know, I have uncluttered drawers and closets for the most part. It's a constant battle. You have to constantly mm-hmm. maintain because so many things are coming into our home, but we've, we've changed our shopping habits where we don't indulge ourselves in everything that we want. And that frees up our finances to be able to give more to Mm -hmm. ministries or to people in need or to, you know, make meals for young couples and bring them over and, and love them. So yeah, it's been, it's been a really complete, it's really a a mindset shift more than anything Mm -hmm. that just says, you know what, all this stuff, it's easy. It's very tantalizing, but the truth is it really doesn't matter in an eternal way. And just remembering mm-hmm. that and setting our hearts on heaven instead and seeking to walk in obedience to the Lord and to not be drawn in or deceived by everything that this world is trying to tell us we should deserve or should have. Mm-hmm. I like what you're saying because what, what you're also saying is it, 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 it helps you be disciplined to prioritize things in your life. You know, what, what really matters to us, like you said, it's our kids, it's our family, it's giving, it's our church. So, and then you modify your lifestyle to fit that. Where so many of us, we don't take time to go, what are really the top priorities and what do I need to do or to shift in my lifestyle to make sure that those happen? And with kind that, of Lisa, just, we are going to go right into a commercial break. So think about that. What do you need to be disciplined in and how do we prioritize? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. 
Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With Christmas dinner around the corner, it's time to make a plan to not overeat while still enjoying your favorite foods and the wonderful celebration. If you find yourself at a party or dinner, remember to save your calories. Appetizers can really add the calories up, and the next thing you know, you are overindulging. The average turkey dinner is 3,500 calories, which translates to one whole pound for one meal. Don't let mindless pre-meal eating sabotage your efforts to stay nutritionally sound and to keep your eating light. Think before you pop those bite-sized appetizers into your mouth. Unless they are so good and you are willing to skip something at the dinner table, it's best to bypass the appetizers. Save your calories for this special dinner so you can enjoy your favorite foods. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. being with us today. We have been chatting with Katie Bennett, author of Heavenly Minded Mom. And Katie is an educator by trade, but she stepped out of the career world and embraced a no frills, no extravagance or excess lifestyle, just Jesus and her family and clearing all that excess out of the way, making the most of what matters most. And Katie, we went into commercial break just talking about having that discipline and prioritizing what do you want to be intentional about in life. And do you have some other tips? I just finished teaching a a time management class. And it's funny, whenever you have to teach or train, you learn so much. (laughs) It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. she can either just stand here and talk about it, or I can figure out a way to apply it in my life. And in, in doing that, do you take like a calendar and do you go out a year? Do you go out six months, three months? And do you actually, are you intentional about every day taking that 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the day to plan for your next day? What are some tangible tips that we can walk away with? Um, I am not that good at planning, planning my schedule. I feel like I have so much flexibility that I do take it probably one day at a time for the most part. I homeschool my children and then my husband and I both work from home. So, um, yeah, I don't have a really rigid planning schedule that I use. I think I just know very deeply what my priorities are. So for example, I want to 
teach my children who God is and give them the tools to seek him themselves. I want to disciple my children. And that is probably my top priority for my time right now. So I am going to emphasize that in our home um, above everything else. So for example, right now, my, my oldest daughter, who's seven years old, is really seeking spiritually and has a lot of questions. So she and I are taking time to read the Bible one-on-one after all the kids are in bed at like 8.30 at night. And I'm so tired. And to be honest, it's about the last thing I want to do um, yeah. at that time of day. But but because I know my priorities, I say, this is more important than vegging out. This is more important than going to sleep or um, whatever else I might do with that time. So I am going to lay down what I want in order to do what is most important, which is pouring into my daughter right now, Mm one-on-one. So, and she's motivated because she gets to stay up an extra 15 or 20 minutes after bedtime, which is um, probably, you know, it might be the only way to motivate her at this point in her life too. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's for me, the time management prioritization is really just defining and I have written this down what are my priorities and then reminding myself of those as I'm making decisions and I do say no to a lot I don't accept a ton of volunteer commitment but I do um, choose to commit to a few as I prayerfully consider where God is calling me and how he wants to use me Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a great tip is to write down, like you said, I do know my priorities. And many times when you talk to moms and, you know, women, we do guilt really well because we're always saying yes. Uh, last mm-hmm. week, one of the gals said she had the, the right hand raising syndrome where <laughs> anytime somebody would ask, like, I can do it. I can do it because you're passionate. So you're, you're always thinking of all of these things that you want to volunteer for. And so when you write down, okay, here's five things that I value. And if that is, you know, I value my family. I value my faith. I value adventure. I value, you know, fun. I value, uh, get, you know, getting into God's work. When you write that down, then you can go, okay, but how am I prioritizing this in my day? Where's the disconnect? If I say that this is a priority and relationships are a priority and yet I'm not taking the time to build that into my day, then what do I need to do differently so I can have this balance? So I, I think that's a yeah. that's a great tip. Mm-hmm. Well, Katie, we just want yeah. to thank you for joining our show today um, and just sharing so much of your journey and your heart. Um, as we kind of wind down, I, we have a few more minutes, but um, can you just share with our listeners, first of all, how they can find you, and then share more about the format of, of this kind of devotional guide, The Heavenly Minded Mom, and, and what, what, as you were writing it, as you were, you know, laying it out, what, how do you intend for, like, readers to use this book? Can you just kind of share that with us? Absolutely. So readers can find me online at embracingasimplerlife.com. I have a blog as well as a podcast and also an email list. So that is kind of one of the main ways that I like to invest in the lives of women. And you can sign up for that right on the website. But the book, Heavenly Minded Mom, I knew I wanted to write a book or I felt that God was laying it on my heart 
many years ago, and I sat down and tried to write it, but the words just wouldn't come. I didn't even get one page done. And so I kind of tabled it because I, I just felt like God wasn't in it at that time. But a few years later, after I had learned so much more, um, it all came back to me, and I realized that it was supposed to be a devotional. Now, it is not your typical devotional in the sense that it is pretty deep, and also it is sequential. So it's actually intended to be a journey that the reader can walk along. And the reason I wanted to do it this way is because it takes time to change the way of perceiving the world in reality. It takes time to make that mental shift. So over the course of 90 days, that is what I hope to help the reader do. The devotion is actually divided into three sections. The first 30 days, I consider that to be like a tilling up of the soil of our hearts. Because Ecclesiastes 11 says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. It's already there for every person. But we are so distracted, and we, we idolize and pursue the wrong things. So the first 30 days is kind of a difficult section of confronting idols that we probably don't even realize we have. Like the idol of a pain-free life, the idol of our family, our children, the idol of our motherhood or of our possessions or whatever it may be. So that's the first section. The second section is really a watering of the seed and a nurturing of the seed. It's a looking at what scripture has to say about our reality and, and building a theology of perspective. And then the third section is kind of fun. It's the fruit-bearing section, and it's taking a look back at many of the same exact things that we stripped meaning from in section one. But now we're pouring meaning back in, even to the, the simple stuff of life. But it's going to be for different reasons. It's not going to be for what we can get out of it. It's going to be to glorify the Lord. It's going to be to live out love and to pour God's love onto those around us, even in the simplest acts of our day, like doing the dishes. Um, so that's kind of how the book is set up. And the goal is simply to reframe a mother's thinking around eternal truth and to cast vision for what we can do now in our lives. That's not only going to store up treasures in heaven, but that's going to push forward the kingdom of God in our own families, in our own lives, and also in the world right around us. Hmm. I like how you said it's like a journey and kind of like talking about, as we've been talking all, all morning about perspective and, and just looking how we, how we even look at our own life. And I love like from the heavenly perspective too. It's like um, there's more than what we're seeing and there's more to live for. And so just, you know, kind of refocusing uh, a lot, I think, which is, is a part of you know, the perspective. How do we refocus, reframe this in a way? Um, so w- what, is, what is one of the biggest things that you learned in even putting together this devotional in your own journey? Oh, I learned so much. Writing this devotional was an amazing exercise for me, taking what God had been teaching me and really synthesizing it and putting it into words and extending it and researching more. Um, oh my goodness, so many big things, but I'll just talk about this one. I 
a huge, huge shift that happened in me was I said I was fearing a lot because I had a perfect life. I had everything I wanted. But really what I was doing was idolizing my family. So I was loving them. And I knew, you know, an idol is anything you put before God. So I kind of had it in my mind. Okay, I need to love God with like 60% of my heart. And then with 40%, I've got to love my family and everyone else. And, you know, it's really hard to kind of keep perfect percentages on something like that that's so arbitrary and hard to define. So, but what God showed me is that, no, that is completely wrong. What we are to do is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. That is the greatest commandment of everything written in the Bible. So we give our heart 100% to the Lord, and then He provides love for us to love our families with. So no longer are we loving them with our conditional and imperfect love, but rather he supplies his holy, divine, endless love in and through us. And that allows us to approach them differently, to approach them with patience, to approach them with not thinking about our own annoyances, but really wanting what is best for them, not just in this fight, but in an eternal way. So that was like revolutionary for me to say, oh, it's okay. It's okay for me to love the Lord with my whole heart. And it doesn't mean my children and husband aren't going to be loved. They're going to be loved better. And now I have this holy mission of loving them with the love that God provides. And they are so much better off because of it. Mm. That is, it is, Go ahead, Lise. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just saying I, I, the holy mission. You know, when you just look at life and you wake up every morning going, okay, God, I am on your holy mission. Like, prioritize my day. Help me to go through. Let me be free of all the complications. Um, not in such a way, like you said, where you, you idolize that. And, and I like that. That becomes even an idol that we want this, you know, safe life and we want to live in, in our, our little bubbles. We have 30 seconds left and we are going to be at the end of our show. And we want to thank you again, Katie. What's one thing to leave our listeners just with today? And actually I, I, I'm not being fair here. I'm asking you that. And we're actually going into our tunes here. So we want to thank you for being on the show. All your tips, <laughs> Katie on her website. Once again, thanks for everyone listening. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.